Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks, how can one appear to be an empathic listener? So I get a lot of these questions about how to appear like something, and I think this is kind of a good example, this particular question, how to appear to be a good empathic listener. This is a good example of if you can learn how to appear to be a good empathic listener, you probably are a good empathic listener. But I'll answer the question as it was written. I think it's a fair question. And I know there are people who kind of look at their listening skills and they feel like they're so deficient with listening skills that maybe the best they could do is just appear to have good skills. But again, I think if you can appear to do it, you may actually end up being a good empathic listener. So empathic listening is kind of an interesting term because we see a lot of other terms that are similar, like active listening. I've seen the term reflective listening. I'm not really a big fan of the terms active or reflective listening. I think empathic listening actually sums up the construct pretty well. Like it's a word that really points to what you're actually doing when you're trying to do that type of listening. And the core, of course, is empathy. I would hope that all listening is kind of active. I mean, I know there's a lot of variety with listening skills, but if you're not active in listening, then are you really listening at all, right? Are you just kind of there and then maybe something will trigger you to pay attention? To me, that's not the same thing as listening. So again, I'm going to go with the term empathic listening. So what we see here with empathic listening, if we look at the research literature, we see that it's associated with a lot of good things, right? High quality relationships, better educational experiences, being promoted at work or getting the type of job that you want. So it is a skill. It is something that can be helpful, but it's not a skill that should always be used. For example, I don't think empathic listening is usually good in emergency situations where quick decisions have to be made. So I don't think with empathic listening, we should really expand this to everything that we do. It's a skill, and it should be used for a particular purpose. Although some people are kind of always empathic listeners to some degree, I think most of us use it as a skill. And of course, counseling is one of those professions where we use empathic listening as a skill. It's usually helpful, 
or at least helpful in a lot of situations in counseling. But we also see empathic listening studied in other areas like business. For example, salespeople sometimes are trained in empathic listening. So empathic listening improves understanding. It helps build trust. It can also be used to resolve conflicts and it can be used to help solve problems. Now, specifically in the context of counseling, it's really there to help people process feelings and thoughts. And of course, build the relationship, build the therapeutic relationship. Now, empathic listening is actually fairly complex. And to be good at empathic listening or to appear to be good at empathic listening, you really have to operate on two cognitive tracks. Sometimes these are called cognitive channels. The first channel or track would be in the moment, the here and now. So what is the person actually saying right now and kind of attending to that? And the next track is the theme. This is the pattern. And we've all met people who are really good at hearing what you're saying in the moment, but they really fail to track the conversation. They fail to run the other cognitive channel, right? So they don't really have the big picture. And I think this is frustrating for a lot of people. So you're kind of telling your story to somebody and they're like, okay, you're feeling sad or okay, you're feeling anxious or you're excited about this particular event. And then when you kind of ask them a question, they don't really seem to understand what that all means put together, right? They don't understand the story. They just paid attention in the moment. So again, two cognitive tracks have to be maintained. And we see with empathic listening that if it's used in the long term, if somebody's an empathic listener kind of all the time, they enter into kind of lopsided relationships because it's one person, again, attending to another, listening to another. That's why it's good in counseling relationships because counseling relationships are not equal. It's the counselor trying to help and serve the client. It's not a friendship. It's not supposed to be balanced. Now, in the context of friendship, empathic listening really, I think, would be better used in the short term. So you wouldn't want to have a friendship with somebody where all they did is demonstrate empathic listening and never shared any of their experiences with you. So empathic listening, again, kind of has its place, and it's a different place depending on the purpose. Empathic listening is done without judgment, so we're not really using anything that somebody says against them. Now, that's from the counseling point of view, but we also see that empathic listening can be used to extract information. We know that police officers and journalists are trained in empathic listening. So it's not only a counseling skill, it's used by others. And this is why you should not automatically trust someone just because they're good at empathic listening or they appear to be good at empathic listening. Another principle with empathic listening is the idea of empathy versus sympathy. And again, this is kind of the context. In counseling, we think of empathy as good. So having a cognitive understanding of how somebody else is feeling. And sympathy is bad. We usually think of it that way in counseling. So if you feel the same way that somebody else feels, that's not a helpful counseling skill. But in friendship, both are good. In friendship, you're going to demonstrate empathy and sympathy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, so while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. So how can somebody appear to be a better empathic listener? Well, you'd have to use certain skills. I'm going to review a few of these here, but it is important to understand that empathic listening is really kind of a wide area of study. There are a lot of different skills that are employed by somebody who tries to use empathic listening, particularly if we're looking at somebody like a counselor. But just a few of the skills here I'll review. The first one is paraphrasing. So I'm going to use this example of somebody who's maybe a little bit depressed. And they might say to you, I'm feeling kind of sad today, and I've been down for a while, right? So they're kind of expressing two things. They're sad in the moment, and they've been feeling this way for some time. So paraphrasing would be not saying something word for word, but rather putting it in a shorter package. When somebody just repeats words back to you, that gets kind of annoying. So if I say, well, I'm feeling kind of sad today, and I've been down for a while, and somebody says, you feel sad today, that's not really paraphrasing. A better example of paraphrasing might be saying something like, You've been having a tough time lately, right? It's not really reusing the word sad or down, but it still kind of communicates that somebody understood the message that was being delivered. Now, the next skill is reflecting, and this is really a whole set of skills. I'll cover a few here. But in general, what we see with reflecting is it's above and beyond paraphrasing. It adds proof that you understood and proof that you're paying attention at another level, right? So Instead of just saying, you've been having a tough time lately, you might respond to that sad and down comment by saying, I can see that you've been having a tough time. This must be really wearing you out, right? So you're kind of capturing this idea that they're tired. They're worn down by being sad and feeling down. So you're kind of adding that piece to just the basic paraphrasing. And what you really look for with reflection sometimes is kind of that yes, you understand me moment, right? So you're connecting with what the client, if you're using it in a counseling context, you're connecting with what the client is thinking at another level, right? Maybe what they don't want to tell you or they haven't told you yet or what they're trying to tell you but didn't express it word for word, you're really capturing that with a reflection. And of course, this can be used outside of counseling as well, as I mentioned before. The next skill is to use encouragers. And these can really be misused, so you have to be careful with encouragers. But encouragers just encourage somebody to keep talking. So popular encouragers are like the word okay, although some people don't like that one, but that's popular. 
Another one would be go on or tell me more. And it's not just the word, it's how you say it, right? For example, you wouldn't want to be robotic. It's not a robotic transaction. It's not like tell me more, right? It's like more expressive than that. Like tell me more, right? You're interested. Maybe you lean in a little bit and you make eye contact. You really are genuine in that moment. You can also use kind of other encouragers like nodding your head or other things you can do to encourage somebody to talk. But you don't want to use encouragers constantly, right? We've all seen this with people. So you're telling your story to somebody and they're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And they just keep saying that over and over. Or they say, good, good. You know, I've seen that one a lot. Like, you know, even if you're saying something that's not good. And some of them are kind of encouragers, but they also can be used as disfluencies. For example, some people will say, right. So you'll be talking, they'll be like, right, right. Now, I find myself doing this in terms of, like, I use it as a disfluency. I use the word right all the time in my videos, but I don't use it as an encourager. So again, I think when you repeat an encourager kind of too much or use the same one too many times, that really can defeat the purpose. That makes somebody believe they're not being listened to, and therefore you would not appear to be an empathic listener. Another skill here is summarizing, and this is one that's really overlooked because it uses that second cognitive track, which is kind of keeping an eye on the big picture, right? The theme, the pattern. So it's summarizing. This really helps you to track. So you might take different parts of the story and kind of put it together just for the purpose of communicating to somebody that you understand that larger picture. Again, summarizing is important, and I would recommend doing it every few minutes, every two, three minutes, depending on how much quantity of information is being communicated. The next item is to be non-directive. And technically, of course, this is impossible. But what non-directiveness means is don't use your reflections to push somebody in a certain direction. Now, some types of therapy, of course, are directive, but I'm talking strictly here about empathic listening. So for example, if somebody says they're sad and they're not getting their work done lately, if they say that and you say you're not getting your job done, you're not keeping up with your your tasks at work, you're really directing somebody because you're moving away from the sad part and moving over to like the work-related part. So we try to be balanced when demonstrating empathic listening, when we're responding, and not direct somebody toward a certain goal or toward a certain part of their story. Now, another element here with empathic listening is never attempt to speed things up because that communicates that you're not really listening. If you want somebody to hurry, that's not attentive. But sometimes it is okay to slow things down because that's really kind of demonstrating that you're tracking the story well. So you might say, well, wait, I want to make sure I understand this. Can you tell me that part again? Slowing down is okay. But if you say, look, I'm kind of short on time. Can you speed it up? That's not, that's not consistent with empathic listening. So you also have to ask yourself, what does the person want when they communicate with you? For example, do they want you to fix the problem? A lot of times in counseling, Somebody's just trying to be understood. And in our society, meeting somebody who can genuinely understand somebody else is getting increasingly rare. And I think part of this is because of the rise of narcissism, right? Everybody's kind of paying attention to themselves. They're self-centered. And fewer people are really interested in investing in somebody else's story in terms of like caring about somebody else. So we have a shortage of understanding. And this kind of brings me to my last point in terms of appearing to be a good empathic listener. Don't be distracted. Not only do we see a rise in narcissism, 
we see a rise in technology that helps aid narcissism, right? Like the smartphone. So if you allow distractions to come in when you're trying to be an empathic listener, you're really communicating that you're uninterested in what somebody's saying. We've all been in this situation where you're talking to somebody and you feel like they're really paying attention to you and they're understanding you and then their phone beeps or whatever and they look down at it and say, oh, give me a minute. That doesn't communicate understanding and it doesn't appear to be good empathic listening. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.